um, it was probably one of those, another one of those midlife crisis things. I just sort of woke up one morning and decided to go running. So I started running in, yeah, in 2012. And probably what most people will know me for in the running world is um, running the Southwest Coast Plan. I remember, you know, one night um, coming up over the highest peak. Um, I think it's the highest peak on the Southwest Coast Path, um, sort of near Bude. And um, sat on the top there, it was a beautiful evening with a friend of mine. And, um, and we were talking about uh, male mental health and we had the most amazing conversation. So we did get into sort of a bit of a routine. So in the morning, um, Lorraine would um, make me these brownie, greenly coloured, horrible looking shapes that were obviously very good for me, but tasted and looked, they looked absolutely disgusting to be honest. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of the Christian Ultra Podcast. Today's guest is a long distance specialist runner. Mark Berry set the fastest known time on Britain's longest trail, the 630 mile Southwest Coast Path. Mark's on the show uh, to talk about his experiences doing that. He averaged 55 miles per day for 11 days and eight hours, and he was crewed by his wife, Lorraine. So these guys did this as a team effort. Mark did the running and Lorraine made the, what he describes, the green, brown, disgusting pints of goodness that he had to drink each day. So hope you guys really enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Mark Berry. Uh, hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Christian Ultra podcast. Today, um, my guest is Mark Berry and uh, Mark's uh, sitting in front of me on my laptop <laughs> we're using uh zoom so mark welcome to the show hi christian um yeah well uh do you, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and um give a little bit about your running background and um and and uh that would be pretty cool okay yeah um yeah, well, well, my running back, and I started running in 2012 when I just turned 50 years old. Yeah. Um, it was probably one of those, another one of those midlife crisis things. Yeah. I just sort of woke up one morning and decided to go running. So I started running in, yeah, in 2012. And probably what most people will know me for in the running world is um, running the Southwest Coast Path. So in 2015, um, I decided to have a go at running the whole of the Coast Path. Myself and my wife had just finished walking it, and I turned around to her and I said, "Would it be a good thing if I sort of turned around and run back home?" And she didn't completely dismiss the idea. So, and it sort of grew from there. So, yeah. So, um, and I've done some other sort of long distance runs before and since then, but that's probably, like I say, what most people sort of um, know me for locally. And um, yeah, and I just sort of love running, really. Um, yeah. Well. Well, that's definitely where I heard about you. Um, if you go into the fastest known times website and pull up um, the Southwest Coast path, which is the longest path in the United Kingdom, um, your name is nicely just underneath uh, Damien Hall's name in second position with a time of um, 11 days, eight hours and 15 minutes. Did you kind of uh, 
did you get there at like um 13 minutes past and think no i'll wait till 15 <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't planned and if, um <laughs> no it wasn't no it, and it might have been 14 minutes and 59 seconds but i don't I, yeah i don't care i just use an ordinary watch so uh, yeah <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, no, the only reason I say that is because Liz Anjos was a couple of shows, episodes back, um, oh, and yeah. she um, waited a couple of minutes to make it. I think it was 30 minutes or something. You oh, know, I and, see. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Brilliant, yeah. Hey, um, Mark, do you want to uh, tell uh, the listeners uh, what the South West Coast Path is, where it is, and how you sure. got to know about it? Yeah, sure. Well, I've I've lived in the southwest all my life, and um, and actually used to um, farm right up against part of the coast path. So it's something that's always been very familiar with uh, to me and to my family. And and to me, uh, myself and Lorraine several years ago just um, decided to try and walk it. So we walked it over several weekends over several years, um, and it's just a stunningly beautiful um, national trail that runs from. Minehead up in Somerset, all the way around Cornwall, around Land's End, and back along the south coast, back to nearly into Pool in Dorset. Um, and it's 630 miles of just beautiful, glorious trails, and you never really get bored because you, you've got the stunning scenery, you go through beautiful villages, across amazing beaches. Um, yeah, so it. it it was always really surprising for myself and the rain. We thought we knew the Southwest well and we'd covered quite a bit of it. But when we walked the coast path, there was every round, every corner, there was something new and, and a new experience. And so, yes, it was lovely. Yeah. And, and, and it's quite tricky. It's as um, a lot of people find out that don't know the trail, it's quite technical in lots of ways. And it's basically running up and down Everest four times. So you would have run up and down Everest four times by the time you finished. So there's there's a, a good amount of ascent and descent and um, and you've got to have your wits about you because like I say a lot of the time you're only a matter of inches sometimes from quite sheer drops um, off to your left or right depending which way you're running or walking it yeah um, yeah so um, yeah you have to sort of be careful as well and treat it with respect yeah yeah of course um, I'd really like to hear about your um, your walk over several weekends over several years. Did, did did um when did it start how long did it take and and what was that like yeah so well Lorraine sat next to me actually well, it, yeah we started but it took us about four years really I guess and we tried to choose sort of I had to fit in around work and also we tried to do it in the nicer weather we wanted to sort of really appreciate the um the walk as well as um just do it for doing it safe so obviously in in the in the parts that were closest to us that was easy to do but the further we had to travel sometimes we made sort of long weekends of it yeah. and um, did two or three or three or four days sometimes in a row but we yeah we sort of I guess we covered around about sort of 10 miles a day on average sometimes a bit more but sometimes less um, depending on how it all sort of worked out but it was it was not only the walking it was the experience as well because so we camped quite a bit um we and we had some really amazing experiences and some quirky campsites <laughs> the transport was hilarious the the buses around some of the buses around um cornwall and, and some parts of devon are just hilarious and um and we had some amazing experiences and, and some of the journeys getting to the, the start and finish and 
and had some um, some really interesting uh, encounters with some great taxi drivers and stuff like that. So, so uh, the whole experience was really rich, and it was something that we sort of really looked forward to. And then um, we would sort of try and leave on a sort of a Thursday or a Friday night, and then come back on a Sunday evening. And um, yeah, we'd always have lots of sort of stories to tell yeah. about the uh, the walk. Yeah. So I, I take it that you um, methodically. Um, uh tackled the the so you accumulated the miles so when you finished one walk uh you went home and then when you returned you returned to the finish where you finished the walk and you did it that way yeah we tried to there was odd sections where we did we fitted in um for different reasons we did you know but we tried to do it all the same way and that's right yeah we were trying to sort of start where we finished the previous one yeah. um there were odd times where there's a couple of sections where we did them in sort of separately, but um, yeah, but yeah, we did it all the same way around. Yeah, we did it all from Minehead around to Paul. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. And and you said that you didn't just do it for the sake of doing it. You picked times. So I take it that most of the walking was done in spring and summer and maybe autumn or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. I mean, we got caught in a couple of very light showers but we were, you know, we were generally very lucky mm. and people that know the southwest you know that the you know we do have a, it can be quite wet down here yeah so yeah we tried to choose um sort of weekends when the forecast was reasonable yeah. um you know if it's windy that was great because it's lovely being out on the on the coast when it's really windy but um yeah and we wanted to like I say we wanted to m- make the most of it really it wasn't just a hike it was about, say, about a rich experience of it all really yeah uh, yeah of yeah. course um me and my um ex-girlfriend lucia we did um what's it called wainwright's coast to coast and we started oh, the, yeah. yeah it's such a lovely experience to kind of walk with your partner every day and um i just found out you find out so much about each other as well <laughs> and i found out how strong lucia was like mentally she never complained and you know um and in the end i thought wow she's she's tougher than me not that i'm tough or anything but like i really <laughs> admired her toughness you know her resilience and um yeah it's a lovely thing to do and, yeah. and one of the things which i suppose is quite tough especially if you're camping did did you kind of take um did you have backpacks that had your tents no. in and stuff no no we're not that hardcore no no we we um so we basically we would drive um drive to the end of the walk we find a campsite and we drive up to the end of the walk and then we'd catch a, a bus or a taxi back to the start of the walk and then we would walk back to the vehicle and then there would normally sort of be a campsite near there we would sort of wreck it and there again we probably enjoyed the planning side of it as much as anything yeah. else as well working out the transport the campsites and where we're going to stay and the yeah. logistics of it all was so so there was a lot of time taken up with that as well which we enjoyed as well so I- and so I know that you're, I've got the um, FKT website open here and, and, and it says 2015 um, yeah. that you did that. So, and you said, was it over four years? So I take it, it was around the beginning of um, the, the early 2000, like 2011 or something like that you started? Yeah. 2010, I think. Yeah, we started, oh, okay. I think we finished it in 14 and then I ran it in 15. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no i i i'm still um i'm single i'm searching for the kind of uh, partner who encourages me to run 600 <laughs> something miles. i think you're quite lucky there <laughs> um that, that's brilliant um yeah, so yeah. so you so you got to the end of the walk um and 
I mean, it's it's a pretty crazy concept. I mean, there's kind of some genius and insanity and just uh, what a beautiful idea. So why did you think to, had you known about people running it? Where did that idea come from? Okay. So the idea came from, so, so as we, so I'd like to say I started running in 2012 and in 2013 I did my sort of first ultra run. And so I really got, I really loved the long distance running. So then I, I started sort of looking at long distance runs, things like uh, the Marathon de Sable and the Dragon's Back. And I had it in my mind that in sort of 2015, because um, I'd done the UTMB the, the year before, and I thought, wouldn't it be good? Because I think it was the year that the Dragon's Back was running, the Marathon de Sable had a provisional place in that. And, um, and, the, doing this, and the spine as well. So, but then I worked out the cost and it was going to cost me thousands of pounds to do all those. And then, and then it's the, not apart from the expenses, just, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, is, is that what I really wanted to do? So I thought, well, why don't I, so, and I looked at the equivalent mileage and it was around 600 miles, those would have been. But I thought, well, the coast path is there. We know the coast path. So then I started looking at to see if there was any records for it and I found out, yeah, there was a request, there's no time. Um, so then I thought, well, yeah, well, if I'm going to do it, well, shall I have a go at the fastest known time? Mm. Very naively, because I'd not done a multi-day uh, event or run prior to the Southwest Coast Passes. So this was my first sort of multi-day yeah. event. So, um, and also to make it sort of quite in, even more interesting. So, so we sat down myself and Lorraine and we sort of worked out sort of the logistics of it and sort of broke it down into small sections where she was going to meet me and all that sort of thing and how many miles I was going to do a day and had it in my mind to sort of do it in about 13 odd days. And then I, I found out that um, not long before that um, someone else was going to go put a record in April, Patrick Divine Wright. And, um, and I looked at his credentials and I thought, oh, I'm, there's no way that he's not going to beat the record and he's probably going to shatter the record. So, um, so then I thought, well, I'll, I'll work out a plan for 12 days and try and get a plan for 12 days. So we have to sit down and redo the whole plan. Yeah. And, um, so we did that and we, so we set the plan for 12 days. So Patrick did break the record in April. He knocked um, some hours off the, off the record in April. Um, but, Fortunately, he didn't completely smash. Obviously, for me anyway, he didn't completely smash it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. But that made it. So it's quite a quite an interesting time. The few months leading up to it. Yeah, and, but uh, it sounds like you conceived the idea without being inspired by somebody else actually doing it first, and and you you came up with the idea and then looked into it afterwards. So yeah, it's some um, pretty organic idea from you there to. And when you said it's this, it's about six hundred miles. Are you kind of adding up all those ultras together? Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. kind of, is that is that like the dragon uh, back, the, the spine, and MDS, and, and something called combined? Yeah, that's right. I worked it out, and it was. I think it was around about the six hundred mile mark. And then yeah. I thought, well, I can do the. I'm sure I can do the whole of the coast path cheaper than that and, and however many thousands <laughs> probably pounds about ten thousand pounds isn't it to do all that yeah i think it was something like that yeah we worked yeah. it out and that was yeah and that was without uh, well, it was flights and travel and, and all that side of it so yeah 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 so and also because we know we just love the coast pass so it was 
So, so for me and Lorraine, the thought of just spending more time on the coast path mm. and around revisiting some of those villages and towns and was exciting as well. So it was something that we were looking forward to as well. So, um, and doing it the other way around, you see things slightly differently when you go in the other way. Yeah. Well, I guess it is, it's, it's, it's the opposite. Like if the wind, you know, the sunrise, I guess if you're running, cause so when you ran it, when you walked it with Lorraine, you, mm. um, went anti-clockwise and when you ran it, you went clockwise. That's right. Yeah. 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 So I guess yeah. you would have had the, 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 the sun is completely different i remember with the um uh coast to coast so we went from um uh, I, I always get confused west to east so we were walking towards sunrise every day and oh, okay, uh yeah. and it was almost i thought to myself oh it's a real shame sunsets behind us you know every day it's like we're missing sunset <laughs> but uh and, and not just that you were, we were walking away from the most beautiful part of for me the walk which is the lake district so yeah, i think yeah. next time i'd definitely go the other way but it's great to do both because <laughs> it gives you perspective yeah um, that's right yeah, yeah. You, you know you um you so you've mentioned lorraine lorraine is your um partner your wife and yeah, yeah. can you uh kind of uh you know describe what her role is um i know when you walked it together you were basically just sharing the miles and the experiences mm. but when you ran it um by you ran and lorraine uh was your kind of primary crew um yeah. and support so what was lorraine's role in your run and how did that um what what did it kind of look like right yeah so basically without lorraine none of this would happen and none of these adventures would have happened and then it won't happen um, she's the absolute backbone to to all of my adventures, so I, and I still am amazed. I mean, you come back from a, a Pembrokeshire coast path, and she's got amazing sort of a patience and toler tolerance, and just sort of just to follow me around on these trails. Um, so it's, yeah, without Lorraine, none of this would happen. And so yeah, so really looking back, also we were quite naive. We thought we had a good plan for the southwest coast path. But looking back and having experience of doing other trails, we realised how naive we were. We would say things like, oh, I'll meet you in Torquay at a certain, certain time. Of course, Torquay's a big place, isn't it? And, and we, so we'd miss each other. And then I would carry on running and she wouldn't know what I'd come through or hadn't gone through. Um, and so it was, yeah, so it, it took a lot of um, patience upon us. But, so basically every sort of between six and ten miles we tried to work it, I would stop and meet Lorraine and 99% um, of the time that happened, I think there was only one little section where I missed Lorraine a couple of times. Yeah. And then, um, so then we stopped, yeah, and there'd be food and water. So always sort of replenish food, uh, replenish sort of drinks. Um, also, um, Lorraine would massage my legs, which yeah. is brilliant. So you sort of keep my legs sort of um, as, as free as possible, which was brilliant. Was Lorraine yeah. making that up as she went along or has she got any kind of history in massage? She's got a bit of history because um, so once I started running, um, Lorraine, so Lorraine, we, so I had massages by sort of uh, trained masseurs, but Lorraine would always ask, can I come and watch? And she would be open with it and say, because I, you know, I want to be able to sort of massage my husband's legs and stuff and just make sure that she's doing it right. Yeah. So she sort of watched and had tips from some sort of trained masseurs and um, yeah. yeah, and she's got strong hands and, and very confident. And so, yeah, so it was, yeah, so that was really good. 
and also it's not just just all the practical things it's the psychological things so as much as i love running and i love running on my own also when you're a little bit tired especially just knowing that you're going to meet someone and meet Lorraine and be able to just sort of share experience and have a friendly face and just because she would tell me what she's been up to, what she's seen and I would myself. And it just gives you that bit of a psychological lift as well, which is really important because, um, you know, as you probably know as well, if not better than myself, Christian, you know, when you spend a long time out on the trails on your own, it's, it, like I say, it's lovely. But, you know, your mind can wander and if, you, and if you're getting tired mentally and physically, you just need that bit of a lift now and again, don't you? So, um, yeah. Yeah. And also we were, we were lucky that um, we sort of made friends on a previous run with Dave and Ali. So they, brought their, they volunteered to bring their camper van down as well. So that meant that Lorraine could have a bit of a break sometimes. So that was really, that was helpful. So they would come around, they were following us around as well. Uh, and okay. um Oh, that's yeah, the, so they, so, yeah, so. so Dave and Ali are friends. I think. Did you mention that you met them in you you meet them um, in the pub or something, or after an event? Yeah. Or? <laughs> it was the night before we did. I did the spine challenger. Okay. And um, and Dave and his friends sat down beside us, and we and we we were so close, and we they were chatting, and we were chatting, and it was obvious that they were doing the run as well. So we introduced ourselves and um just had a beer or two with them and then the next morning i bumped into dave at the start line and and the and the weather just came really in it was just like this snowstorm a bit of a blizzard so i turned to dave and said oh should we stay together to start with during the worst weather and just to keep each other company he said yeah yeah no, that sounds really good Mark." and so we ended up doing the whole of the spine together the whole of the spine challenge together so oh wow that's and then, yeah so yeah, yeah and, and then i met his girlfriend ali and she was at the stops and so Lorraine met Ali as well so yeah so then they they came over and supported me on the UTMB as well which is really oh, nice wow. and yeah yeah and then they came down to the coast path and um, enjoyed the jaunt around the, the coast path with us as well so that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's brilliant that's just what you want it sounds like you had some really encouraging support from yeah. um f from the people around you uh yeah, yeah it, it's it's pretty impressive and I, I know because the thing is though i know you said you were a rookie and you hadn't done a multi-stage event um but i know I've, I've spoken to you pre podcast but it's good that we talk about it so people can hear a lot of your strategies and things um maybe go into your training um and and how your physical training your m mental training and your um logistical strategies maybe start with your physical training right so lorraine sat next to me so she's smiling at the moment <laughs> i uh, yeah lorraine my training my training I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise anyone to still follow it it works for me it obviously works for me and i'm very very lucky so my 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 philosophy of training is just run just run miles just run mm. miles so I, you know, even on a, I'm not training for anything like I am now, I'm running about 60 or 70 miles a week. Mm. I don't do any sort of fast, I don't do any sort of speed work. Um, I vary my routes up, so sometimes they're hilly, sometimes they're flat, sometimes mm. they're off-road, sometimes a lot of times they're on-road. Good mix. Been around my lifestyle and my work, really. So um, I make sort of the... I love running and I and I love running the amount of miles I do 
but it has to fit in around sort of my lifestyle as well. So, yeah, do you, um, did, is it right that you don't have a car or no, you do, but do you run to work? Do you run? Yeah, to I do. Work? Yeah. So I run. Yeah. So I, I work locally. So I run in most days, um, yeah. especially now since the, I'm not traveling because obviously everything's sort of been locked down now for the last sort of six months or so. But um, I, I used to have to travel a bit around the Southwest, but I'm not doing that. So, yeah. So basically I can run into work every day. I give myself one rest day. I cycle in one day. And okay. for that day, so I'm sort of running in and back to work. And um, but, yeah, but sorry, so, sorry, sorry, I went off track. So your train was there a specific kind of training phase? I know it sounds very scientific, but was there a, a say? So, okay, I'm going to do four months of training or six months of training before the Southwest Coast Path. Yeah, I know it's it's a really because how do you train for a 630 mile run? So. Oh. Prior to that, you know, because you know, if you look at all the sort of the training programs, most of them are sort of up to a marathon, aren't they? Yeah. And there's lots of training programs for training for marathon, and then they say, you know, you run up to uh, something like seventy or eighty percent of your total mileage, and then you know, and then you sort of ease down for two or three weeks or whatever. Um, but I'm not, you know, I wasn't going to get up to a four hundred and fifty mile run, was I? No. So, <laughs> so I, it was all it was all a real sort of shot in the dark. So, so I worked it out in my head. So I got up to about three weeks before, so three weeks before I started my tapering. But prior to that, for about six weeks, I was, I got up to about 120 miles a week. Wow. Um, so, and I was obviously that, you know, that's a lot of miles, a lot of miles in your legs. And I was running at the same pace all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, as as confident as I as I could be that my physically I was in you know as good a shape as I could be mentally it's an that was a really interesting one because um I was I really I know we've talked about this before but I, I was I was really in a sort of a, an interesting position really because I part of me wanted to keep it all really quiet so I'd not done it before I'd only been running a few years and I thought this could all fall flat on my face and the least people that know about it, the better. And then no one need know about it and you can all put it down for experience and move on. But then I, w I was passionate about raising money for CALM, which is uh, a mental health charity, which is, aims to reduce suicide in males. And it stands for Campaign Against Living Miserably. So I have a sort of a personal, sort of personal-ish um, uh, connection with them in that I suffered from mental health issues myself. I had depression years ago. So it's a subject sort of close to my heart. So I wanted to raise money for them and more importantly, really make raise awareness around mental health, especially for males. So, so part of me wanted to keep it quiet and then part of me wanted to sort of make it well known to try and raise money for calm and, and raise awareness. So I did feel under a lot of pressure because then the other thing, on your training and your lead up to it, you think, what about if I get injured? And what about if I, you know, and then I'll become ill and then I, I have to abandon it, you know, then I'm going to look foolish. So it was, yeah, it was there's a sort of a lot of additional sort of mental pressure, I think. So I was so relieved when I got down to the start. Yeah. So we were on the, the night before we started, we met up in a, a campsite just, you know, in a few miles from the start with some family and friends. And I was just super relaxed because I was, I knew physically I was in good shape. We got down there, we got, you know, we were within, we could almost see the start line. 
and um, I had the best night's sleep that night. <laughs> just knowing that the sort of pressure was off, the rest of it was just down to me then, wasn't it? It was just, you know, it was, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, the training had all worked out as far as, I, as, you know, and the pressure was off. So, um, but yeah, and then sort of mentally, yeah. people then sort of ask you, and I guess they may ask you similar things to people that, get to, that haven't done long distance running. You know, what do you think about all the time when you're running? And I say, not a lot really i can't really remember what i'm talking thinking about i don't listen to any music yeah i love nature i love listening to the birds and the animals and the sounds and the smells and the sights but most of the time you're just concentrating aren't you because the minute you take your eye off the trail you better yeah. hook a stone or a root and um and it's all going to come tumbling down so you have to concentrate so yeah so you're just sort of thinking i'm literally breaking it down and thinking about that next little section and the next time I'm meeting Lorraine and the better next stop is, um, yeah. And then you sort of just focus on that really. And before you know it, you're there and yeah. off you go again. Now I know what you mean by uh, actually having to, it, it's definitely like if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're running on the road, um, I've heard it um, written about as like a mind, non in non mind engaging sport. So you can kind of like look, and, and drift off into your mind and not worry about the ground in front of you. But trail running is completely different because you have to read the trail. And like yeah. you said, the minute that you just stop concentrating or look at something or, um, you know, just lose your focus, you really can just trip over in an instant. So yeah. it is a really mind engaging sport. And I like that, you know, trail running. Yeah. And I, yeah, I love that. I love the fact that it's as mentally as, challenging as it is physically it probably in fact it's probably more mentally challenging than it is physically yeah um, challenging um the biggest challenge a lot of them is 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 eating really that's yeah. more of a challenge for me is is getting enough food inside me to to continue really my appetite goes and then i struggle so um i i, I want to ask you about um so your physical training and and you know then there was obviously the the pressure of if I, if I say out loud, I'm going to do this, I may fail, but, um, I also am very passionate about calm. Mm. How about Lorraine's? Um, I wouldn't call it training, but more like preparation. Did you, did you do this together and sit down and plan and prepare and go through things together? Uh, we sort of did ish, but we're, we're well known for t also taking things, you know, taking things in our stride and going on the hoop a bit. So we, we didn't certainly over prepare, but we yeah. thought we were as prepared as we can be. Lorraine um, bought loads and loads of food and drink. We had the, the yeah. van, we hired a van, and then the van was uh, chuck a full of um, of all the food and drink that we think we might need. You know, certainly for the foreseeable. Um, like I say, we planned the route out, so we had we yeah. had all the routes, and I worked out roughly what time planned sort of what times each route would take. Because obviously, I knew the terrain. Mm -hmm. So I could work out roughly how long a, a section would take, and uh, so to give Lorraine an idea of when I would be sort of coming through. Yeah. Um, and like I say, we didn't need to wreck it. We spent four years wrecking it. So yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Lorraine knew the lanes and and, and knew the you know, the towns and villages and stuff yeah, like course. that. So yeah. um, so that helped a lot as well. Yeah. So when you um planned your schedule uh you knew the distance that you had to cover each day and you had an idea of the terrain i guess was it then almost just throwing caution to the wind because you know 
it, it's a big uh it's a big physical mental and logistical operation it, and, and when you're doing it obviously there's a gamble because like you said i could just fall you know you could just not be able to do it so when you set off and you said you had that good sleep what kind of um you know what challenges did you face in the did you face any challenges in those first few days that you yeah. um yeah 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 certainly in the first so like i say it was a, it was a real step into the unknown for both of us really um so on the first day i got my eating wrong so i ate too much in the morning and then we sort of had sort of stomach cramps um so then didn't eat hardly anything in the afternoon and then got really hungry and then got and then sort of got bonked really and got tired and it was really grumpy with the rain <laughs> coming um up to um to one of the stops with lorraine i was in a i was in a bit of a foul mood because I, I knew i'd got my eating wrong and um, i was just annoyed with myself more than anything really i took it out on poor lorraine um so but i so i had a set mileage to do each day so by the end of that day i'd done the mileage and so so uh, got to sleep woke up the next morning and then i jumped out of the van and I always just call it the van test. So if I could jump out of the van without sort of hobbling out or holding on to the side of the van, I knew my legs were okay. And I jumped out of the van and they were fine. And I, I was really happy then. So I thought, well, I've done a, I've done some really big hills. You know, some of the biggest hills are, are early on in in Dorset. And, um, and I was feeling good the next day. So psychologically, that was a huge lift then because I, then I had a sort of quite a flattish section. And then I knew that, you know, physically my body was, was, was dealing with this. Yeah. So yeah. all I had to get them was my nutrition, right? Which I so then sort of chatted with Lorraine and, and Dave and Ali, cause they would meet me with food now and again as well. Yeah. And I would just have sort of little and often. So we okay. yeah, got into a good sort of routine really with that. And, um, and because my appetite goes every now and again, they would tempt me with some fresh bakery or some, I'd pick up something fresh from a shop or something which was really nice and um, a variety of things and bless them i think they all put on extra weight because of all <laughs> the food i left they were had to eat so yeah so um did, did you yeah. actually carry any like the these um there's vests made to carry water and food and a jacket or something and keys and a phone did you wear anything like that and did you carry any food and water well you must have i guess carried yeah. stuff with you well it's amazing really so that I had this little running belt really that carries one bottle and it's got a tiny little pouch and I did the whole coast path with that and, and the map. So wow. yeah, so I just had one bottle. If it was really hot, I would carry another bottle with me. Yeah. Um, so I'd have two bottles and then I would, in this little pouch, I'd get a couple of gels in and maybe a marathon bar if I needed it. Yeah. Um, or, or I could get a squeeze of banana in. Um, if I, wow. Yeah, but yeah. But so you, um, so you did most, like you did mention, and then I asked you another question. So yeah, go ahead and talk about the eating then. You said it was hard to, I mean, you're, I'm guessing you're taking it in between what, six and 8,000 calories a day, something like that. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. So, so we did get into sort of a bit of a routine. So in the morning, um, Lorraine would um, make me these brownie, greeny colored, horrible looking shakes that were obviously very good for me, but tasted and looked, they looked absolutely disgusting to be honest. 
Um, um, so morning and night, um, he would make me one of these shakes and um, in a sort of blender thing. And then, um, so that was a lovely start and end to the day. So and then in between there, yeah, so there would be things, uh, obviously like- uh, you know, Hold, hold on a sec, I, I, I got to pause you there. I got to know what's in this brown greeny kind of, have you got the ingredients? I mean, or an idea of what was in it? No, it, to be honest, Christian, <laughs> I don't know. And to be honest, I don't want to know. You didn't ask. I was, I just, yeah. So Lorraine would just like pass it to me. And right. you know, you know what it's like. And she had that look in the eye, said, you're just going to drink that. And there was oh, no wow, argument. Yeah. I was going to drink it, whatever it was, I was going to drink it. So, but it would be like a pint of it as well. It wouldn't be like a little shot. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes there'd be lumps in it and all sorts and, and yeah, so it was, it was, so that was probably as challenging as the so, run actually. So that was morning and night. You'd have like a yeah. pint of this brown. It was like this, it would stuff. be a, like a pro, it'd be a high protein shake basically. Yeah. 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 So it'd be a okay. mixture of things, but it would be, yeah, sort of a high protein. Sorry, so I didn't mean be, to cut in, go, go and carry on with the other stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so that would, and then I'd sort of be sort of, uh, like I say, snacking during the day mainly. And then, so then we'd get to the evening and then I'd have, I'd have a really good meal so Lorraine would cook me a really good meal or we cook you know we or sometimes we stopped in the pub and have a really good meal sort of around sort of seven eight o'clock eight nine o'clock depending what time it was yeah and then I would then just do the last section I would just walk the last section just to walk off the meal so I don't go to bed with a heavy sort of meal but then yeah. also it just sort of settled me down for the night and I knew that I was going to get some really good food inside me. So. Did you ever have a, um, a beer at the pub at the pub or? Absolutely. Yeah. People nice. that know me, um, nice. know that, um, my diet mainly consists of pasties and beer. Um, <laughs> you know what? I just learned the secret to endurance. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, and I'm known for doing other long distance runs and, you know, when we, stop and you know sometimes i take you know, out for guinness or something like that so um so yeah especially as because um so the i was really really lucky so because i promoted calm and promoted what i was doing on sort of social media on the lead up it created quite a bit of interest all around the southwest and i got to know quite a few people and people then told friends you know what it's like your friends tell friends yeah so there's quite a, a bit of media interest before i started so then, and then Lorraine sort of posted out, well, if anyone wants to join Mark at any of the sections, you know, please feel free. And so right from early on, uh, I was getting people, just random people turning up that I'd never met before. And then sort of joining me on, um, sometimes I'm just on one section mm. and, and uh, people join me for the whole, you know, virtually the whole day. Wow. Like I said, never met them before. And so, so yeah, it would have been rude not to have a beer with them. And, and, at the end of the day i'm not i'm not that rude so um so, so yeah cool. but then so when we turned the corner and we, we were coming up the north coast it just became like a bigger and bigger party so the last four or five nights there would be 20 or 30 people there in the evening stop yeah and, and the last couple of stops there were 40 or 50 people there wow. yeah. and so there would be just like this big party of people with friends and family and people i haven't met before they just, you know, just heard about it. And so, yeah, so, I mean, the record then, ironically, the, the further I went on and the, and the closer I was getting to, to thinking, well, actually, I could break the record, mm. it was becoming less important because 
Oh, well, it the was, record was. The, the, the record was because it, the, more, the most important thing was the experience around it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you were saying earlier about um, it's not the end goal, it's about the journey, and it is yeah. absolutely about the journey. And I've still got lifelong friendships now through people I've met on the coast path. I would have never, if it was, if I just ignored people and just sort of tunnel vision and gone out there, I would have missed out on so much of the experience of, you know, yeah. of, of all these new friendships and, Mm-hmm. I've got some amazing memories of, um, like I say, I was I was sort of up in, up in North Cornwall, up, coming up this sort of quite a gruesome climb, um, and then through the gloom, I could hear this voice said, "Is that Mark?" And yeah. I looked up, and there was two people <laughs> stood up on the on the top of the hill with a running kit on us, and I like panting, but yeah, yeah, he said, "Oh, oh, but you've heard about you? Can we join you?" I said, "Yeah, absolutely." Join us. So with that, they joined me for sort of two or three sections. They we had tea with them, and they've stayed good friends. And they've come. One of them has come across or come across to Nepal with us, or been across to Nepal with us, and um, we've met the other guys. So yeah, so you know, and and none of that would have happened. And so um, it 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 became a whole a, a. a lot bigger thing than just a sort of record event or just a running event. It was, it was a real experience. You know, uh, I've had a um, guest on the show called Lanny Basham and um, I titled the show, the mental management King. And he's, he's actually won the gold medal. Um, He, in fact, he's won many medals, but he's a gold medal, Olympic gold medal winner. And I think he's in his late sixties or early seventies now. And uh, he's a rifle shooter. And he speaks about mental management. And one of the things that you just said that reminds me of what he said is the difference between two competitors um, and and the difference between winning and losing is the competitor who is thinking about winning isn't focused on the task at hand in comparison to the person, the, the other person who isn't really thinking about winning, but is thinking about what they're doing. So in a sense, you were in the zone and really completely pressure free or free of any self-imposed pressure of, Oh, this is a record attempt. No, it's a big party. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely a big party. And then, and then early on, um, Dave and now it's a Dave took on the role as like, um, an interviewer. So he he did that on the, on the second night and that became a bit of a thing on social media. So yeah. he would interview me um, in the evening about that day and what I'd done. And so, because then what was happening then, he would then go around and interview people that would run with me or people that come to support me. And so that gathered momentum as well. And so then there loads of people then doing all these sort of mock funny interviews. And yeah. um, so it just became a, a, a brilliantly rich experience. Yeah, which, um, and I was, I was reflecting on it um, recently um, with my family over the weekend. And um, they said, oh, you could have gone even faster, Mark, if on the last night, if you didn't have, you know, if you just, instead of stopping in Kumartin, if you just sort of carried on through the night. No, and, I was busy and, and I, like, with friends. <laughs> yeah, but I was with a group of 50 friends. And, and I remember talking about it with Lorraine at the time, and we did discuss, we did at that fleeting sort of thought, but both of us were on the same page. We thought, no, no, this isn't just about run. This is just about the whole experience. And I want to be here and I want to be here with these people and enjoy this moment. And then I knew then if 
by also by then starting the following morning and then I would get into Minehead later. Yeah. So that would give my um, daughter's chance to get there and, and family to get there and some of Lorraine's family to get there that wanted to get there. If I finished something like four o'clock in the morning, no one's going to be there, and it's and that just didn't feel right. So, um, so now I wouldn't have changed a thing. And to be honest, whatever record anyone sets, it will get broken. Well, I think the yeah. thing is to do a little bit of backtracking. At what point did you know that you were on record pace and you were like you could say in the lead? You know, How, when did you know that you were kind of on record pace? And if you continued with the pace you were going you were going to break the record like was that early on or in the middle or towards the end or yeah i got um, when we got to the halfway point i got sort of quite emotional then at that day at that time because we, uh, we were bang on time so you know the miles i'd set um each day i'd achieved um and it, like i said got into this, into a sort of a good routine physically and mentally um, so, uh, so there was a real sort of, uh, it was a really emotional moment then, just knowing I reached sort of halfway. And, um, but then, but I also knew that what was coming up. <laughs> I had one of the trickiest sections around sort of Land's End. I had the North Cornish coast and the North Devon coast with some brutal climbs. Um, and so I knew anything could go wrong at any time. So it was, you know, it was, it was a mix, it was, mixture of joy but also trepidation as well knowing what I, I guess at the time I knew that it was possibly pretty much in the bag was when I got to Westwood Ho um, which I was near home yeah uh, I'd got I'd had 10 big days behind me so I had 10 really I'd done all the sort of the big days and I knew then on the, the following two days were lighter days okay um, uh, uh, so yeah so I guess then at that point I thought barring a disaster uh, yeah the record was mine yeah. and, and and in relation to the record at the time was that uh patrick no because patrick divine Wright was going what a cool name by the way <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the yeah. divine right um did um so patrick so bef so whose record were you going for when you set out so originally um i'm terrible with names it was, it was another mark there's a guy called Mark um, that held the record. No, was uh, it Mark was, Townsend with Julie Gardner? No, 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 it wasn't. It was, it was the Mark that that Damien Hill ran it with. Um, oh, I think that is Mark Townsend. Is that Mark Townsend? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's, it yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had the. It was something like 14 days and so many hours, I think. And I think it's Mark held it for a number of years, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was yeah, so it was Mark's record that I was that I was going for at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, so, um, yeah, got yeah. So, and and your predicted finish time was uh, what were you predicting that you would finish? You know, when you were at the halfway point, you thought, okay, yeah, I'm on pace. On pace for what time? So I told everyone it was twelve days, but then when you do the maths, I I've been doing the maths. Obviously, I got plenty of time to think yeah it was going to be 11 days something so yes i okay. knew that if it goes to plan it went to plan it would be 11 days and so many hours rather than so under 12 which would have taken so, so, yeah three days off the record that's that's huge i mean yeah. you know i i think that is I, I so i suppose that gives you a sense of um 
uh, feeling of uh, was it a sense of ease, I guess, you know, there's no pressure there as long as kind of, I know I'm saying there's no pressure there and you're running 55 miles a day. However, you're, you've got halfway, you're coping with it. And I suppose, yeah. and, and I know you've got tougher terrain ahead of you, but I suppose that helped ease the pressure and helps you more enjoy yourself with, um, you know, the support that we're turning up. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the, and the support was, it was just like um, a snowball effect with the support, really. So it was, as we were going on, every day there was more, every day there was more. And so, so the momentum was growing. So uh, it got to a point there was, you know, for, uh, some days I hardly had hardly any sections on my own. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, most of the time I was running with people. You know, I had people from the, the local running club, North Devon Roadrunners, travel miles come down um and sort of run with me then i had friends that are, uh, that are not runners come down and run with me in his walking shoes and run a little section uh, someone come all the way down to south devon just to cook me a meal <laughs> what was and it then drive you back again sorry can you remember what meal it was it was a nice <laughs> Yeah, it was fajitas. Yeah, it was fajitas. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they were lovely. They were lovely. I can remember this. Yeah, the spot in you know, Richard's name, Richard Fowley, traveled all the way down just to cook me a meal, which is so, yeah. So, um, and then lots of things like that. And, um, yeah. yeah, so, and that was quite early on. That was sort of the third or fourth day. And it was just like I said, this momentum was just sort of growing, really. Yeah. And, and that just gave me such a huge lift. And, yeah. um, and then so I'd come in and Lorraine would say, oh, you know, you've got, um, you know, people sent me these messages and they want to join you in this section. They want to join you. In, and that, that was really good. Yeah. Also, right. I, 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 one thing I will just sort of wedge in as well. I was, so just before I um, started the, the, the Coast Path uh, run in May, I just changed jobs. So I was still working for uh, the local authority, but I've been working with a team for a number of years. And I was just, and they gave me the most amazing send off. Nice. One of the things they did, which I will always treasure, they made a little box and they went around the whole office and they asked people just to write on a little on a card, um, just a sort of um, a motivational thing. Yeah. And so, and they sort of numbered them all in days because they knew I was going to try and do it in 12 days. So, so each cool. day yeah. had these little cards to read. Really and cool. I was quite tearful. I was read some of them and, and some were, you know, what the hell do you think you're doing? Just get your yeah. finger out and move fast, okay. you know, which I wouldn't yeah. expect. Anything. And others were really, you know, they vary tremendously. Um, but that was, and they made me a little medal. Yeah. And and so the last envelope, there was a medal in it and said, um, Southwest Coast Path Record Breaker. And so, yeah, so oh, that... Was that the start of the 11th day? So you kind of, you, you had... No, I didn't open that one till the end, till okay. towards the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, fortunately. So, yeah, so, and lots of my you know, the work colleagues come out and, and cheered me on and, and they're not runners, but they walk with me in the evening sometimes as well, which was so... Um, so I was yeah. very, very lucky there as well. So I had lots of, you know, thoughtful people doing very thoughtful things to support me on the way around. So. Is there any um, saying that, whether it was one of those cards or something you'd read or something someone had told you that kind of came back to you and maybe since then has come back to you then like um you know like anything like that no no not a specific card um but i think just 
for me, just just the whole sort of sentiment behind it from from everyone. And um, I remember because the actual route um, took me right past my old workplace. Mm. So, um, so as we're running, I was sort of coming up, and there was this huge, great welcoming party, and um, and I just and I read some of their cards, so I did have an opportunity there to thank. Um, some of the people that I knew that had written the cards to thank them for what they'd written and, and explain, you know, where I was and why I was, you know, and what it meant to me. So, um, yeah, so I, I hope that they appreciate, you know, how much it did sort of help lift me as well. And um, Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, it really sounds like your experience was not just the trail, but the people who came out to meet you on the trail as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, yeah. But, um let's be a little bit shallow and talk about shoes <laughs> how many pairs of shoes did you uh go through um i saw um what did I, one sadly i completely destroyed one pair of trail shoes i hope so <laughs> and, and one pair, and then i had an old pair of um road shoes um that were well worn as you will find out i uh, there's some road sections um yeah sections and so i knew when those were coming up so i i'd say i um destroyed my last set of road shoes on those on that trail as well but i took three sets of trail shoes with me so one of them got completely destroyed and then the other two yeah yeah they kept me going throughout but they were all i'd all sort of worn them all and they were all well worn in yeah of course um, yeah i went so yeah so one of them is in a bin in cornwall somewhere <laughs> One set of trainers probably still smelling now, bless them. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where the seagulls. That's the bin the seagulls don't go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> With that bin at all costs. Um, how about? Yeah, I suppose it's good to talk since we're on the subject of kit. Did you use poles for the uphills or at all poles in at all? No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. I I bought myself a set of poles for the UTMB. I yeah. said it before. I never used them then, and okay. I, I don't think I even took them this time. Yeah. And those, and for me, what was becoming of when I went to UTMB, um, you could tell there's a massive difference between people that are used to using poles and people that have just only just started using them and don't mm. know how to use them properly. Yeah, and the ones that that sort of use them properly, my God, they are amazing, and they are like goats. It's incredible. Um, and it really is almost it is like having two extra legs. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I knew that I would never get I would never get to that sort of level. Uh, okay. Yeah. In the time. Yeah. So um, and if you're not using them properly, then yeah. really there's just like an extra thing to carry, and they're not going right. to help you much in any way. So I chose not to. No. And um, I've done enough sort of running up and down hills that I was you know as confident as confident could be that. Um, or an injury that um, yeah. I was just yeah. confident coming down the hills as I was going up the hills. How, how about, um, yeah, actually, uh, before I forget, because uh, that's something I wanted to ask you earlier. So you said you were confident about running downhills. And you've also mentioned in your training, you didn't run fast. When I was out with um, Carol Sabay on the Appalachian Trail, he told me that the uphill was his recovery. And the downhill was where he take, paid particular attention to be careful because yeah. that's where your muscle is having a lot of impact. What was your approach to the downhills, um, and how did you feel doing I doing downhills? Yeah, I agree. You've got to be really careful. So I, I, 
I'm not by nowhere near the fastest going downhill. There's a lot of people a lot faster. I'm not not that slow either. But you you're right. You have to really really have your wits about you. Um, and like and and you can be on sort of quite tricky sort of screed and loose stone, um, or coming down through some sort of steep wooded areas mm. and, um, and and the light play you know lights yeah. uh, with the shadows and that can sort of play tricks on you. So yeah, you have to be. But, you know, it's that classic thing, isn't it? Because you, the temptation is to switch off a bit when you get to the top of the hill and just cruise down. But mentally, you can, absolutely you can know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you have to really have your wits about you. But and I would agree. I think you know I walk quite quickly up the hills. But yeah, so when you get to the hill, it's it's a bit of a recovery. Yeah, I love the hills. Um, yeah, yeah, and you got to. But I love the hills. Now I've heard you say that the hills must be your friend because yeah. it's an opportunity to use. See, I'm well researched. <laughs> uh, <laughs> must be an opportunity to use uh, different muscles and um, have a little bit of a break from the yeah. the the running side of and things. And you get the view at the top as well. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, don't be um, don't be afraid to turn around and look and then appreciate the view. And there's oh, always time for that. Yeah, no, I think so. That's really funny, actually, because it's it's different. I've got experience on the Appalachian Trail where they call it the Green Tunnel, and uh, okay. they have what's called blue like. So you have it. It's uh, sign. Um, it's signposted by white blazers written. Um, sorry, painted on trees, and you just follow the white blazers. But then there's blue blazers, and you can go off, and sometimes it'll take you to a view or an area of natural beauty. And, and because you have to kind of veer off the path and then come back again, it was less, there's less of an opportunity, I think, to take in the views as whereas, for example, on the Southwest Coast path, all you've got to do yeah, is right. turn your head, I guess, yeah, yeah. the direction it is. So yeah. it's funny. I remember um, Carol, um, I could see him. I could almost see when you spend so long with someone, you can almost have a sense of how they feel. And I could see, you know, he, he I think he said out loud, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop to look at the views all the time because I just can't, you know, um, <laughs> but then when we got to somewhere where he didn't go off the trail, he'd, he'd, I'd, we'd take a picture and have a look. Yeah. 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 Did you experience any particular, um, kind of, uh, difficult weather while you were out there rain and, or lightning storms or wind or anything? Um, the heat, I think, was well, we had a couple of days where it was really, really hot around the uh, uh, Lands End and the Lizard. Um, it was, yeah, it, and and I I probably struggle a bit more in the heat than I do in the cold. And so um, I just remember drinking liters and liters of water, and I was carrying two bottles with me all the time, and um, yeah, and I was getting through those and and taking a lot of water in my stops. Um, yeah, and they were both sort of quite big days in terms of mileage and in terms of sort of ascent and descent around there. I had a few sort of misty, sort of misly mornings, which is yeah. classic Southwest Coast Bath weather, where the, the mist rolls in on the coast and you've got a job to see your hand in front of your face. Yeah. Um, so there again, you just got to sort of be very mindful because you, uh, although it's really well signposted um, yeah. and um, you need to keep the seat to your left or your right, whichever way you're running it. Yeah. Um, there are times when you go, you do go inland a bit, and you yeah. and it's easy to sort of yeah, not necessarily easy to get lost, but 
just go off track a bit and a few mind wonders and a few and the visibility comes in but um, yeah no, that was the sort of the main thing really um yeah we didn't experience any sort of really mm. um adverse weather may generally is a, is sort of a quite a kind month mm. yeah and yeah. and and how about um so did you what what did a kind of typical day look like in terms of i know you had that green brown juice that you drank <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, but like kind of what time would you wake up what how long would you take before you got off and how, would you run in did you ever use a head torch did and, and i know you spoke about having a meal and then walking the last section mm. to help your food digest and your mind digest the experience and come for bed but in between uh the the dark green juice and the last meal <laughs> on the night time what what were the, what were those times and how long was it taking you to cover the mileage each day um so i would normally start running a bit between sort of six and half past six in the morning yeah. um so then the sort of the light was coming up there so i get going sort of try and get going at pretty much at first light uh, to make the maximum use of the daylight hours so then yeah it would depend on the day and how i was feeling and on the terrain so then i would sort of keep going then probably for around 12 hours mm. and then so sort of do the yeah and then i would have probably done about 50 miles by then and then yeah and then stop and have a sort of tea uh, and then do the final sort of walk after that i would obviously as it getting towards the evening time I would would um, make sure I have a head torch on me just in yeah. case because if you get out there and have a problem um, and yeah. the dark comes down then you then you yeah stuff aren't you so um, and the last walk was generally in the dark yeah it would yeah. be in the dark at the last walk um, the head torch is on yeah but there again I had you know sometimes I had company for that walk as well which was nice and had a, I remember you know one night um, coming up over the highest peak. Um, I think it's the highest peak on the southwest coast path, um, sort of near Bude. And um, sat on the top, there was a beautiful evening with a friend of mine. And, um, and we were talking about uh, male mental health and had the most amazing conversation. Um, talking about uh, our experiences and things. And, um, and we sat up there for 10 minutes, quarter of an hour. Um, yeah. And so things like that. You know, it's a sort of treasured memories. Um, as, as equally important as any record, or probably more important yeah. than any record. Um, yes, no, the no the take, it is. No one can take that away from me. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Yeah, I broke your record. I still had that conversation with my friend yes. on that rock. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 I suppose I could um, ask you if you what, what did it feel like when. Um, Damien broke the record because I guess you held on to it for like a year and it's kind of like a title, isn't it? It's like when you're the heavyweight champion <laughs> of the world, you've got this belt and then, but you don't actually fight. You didn't fight Damien. He just ran it. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, he didn't kind of take three days off your record like you did with the previous record holder. In fact, it's pretty close, I think, over that time. But what did it feel like when you found out did you know he was going for it? Or yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I've known Damien for a number of years now. So, not long after I started running, I was lucky enough to bump into Damien doing the Cotswold Way, actually, the first time we bumped into each other. But then we got, I got to know a bit more on the Spine Challenger um, and spent quite a bit of time with him on that one. So, we sort of stayed in touch as you do. Um, 
and then yeah so he rang me out of the blue and or contacted me out of the blue and said mark he said um i've been invited to join another mark to mm. have a go at the um the fastest known time on the coast path do you mind i said of course <laughs> i love it if i would go yeah absolutely love it and um and so yeah so so but it was really nice for him to ring so we had a chapter and a bit like you know a bit like yourself he wanted his interest in sort of my experience of it and stuff but they had a they had their own plan yeah. which is fine and um yeah so no so when I, I couldn't have lost it to a nicer guy to be completely honest and then and the, and the running he's gone on to do since it's just been amazing i mean like he came fifth in the UTMB, yeah. Uh, the year before last. I mean, he's he's an amazing runner and a very unassuming guy as well. We're a really nice, unassuming guy. So no, it couldn't have could have gone to a to a nicer guy. So um, yeah, and and it's been interesting because I've known a few other people that have gone for it since I've had it as well, and um, and I've run with a couple of others um, that have tried and and um, for different reasons haven't quite got it. Um, Another guy called Andy Persons ran it last year, and he came really close. Um, yeah, he was having a go at the record, and he only yeah he I think he's got the third fastest time now. Um, he did really well. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, no, that's what it's there for. And for yeah, me, if people go out on the southwest coast path, that's great because and, and if they get a fraction of the enjoyment that I do out of it, then that's brilliant. Um, so yeah, so the more the merrier, really. Just come down to the southwest and explore the beautiful countryside, and and get out on the coast path, and yeah, and appreciate its beauty. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, people are a lot happier um, outdoors than indoors, um, yeah. for sure. So it's a, it's a, it's it's definitely one of life's privileges to step outside of our houses and feel the wind on our face and the sun and even sometimes the rain because then you appreciate yeah. indoors more <laughs> you yeah know? yeah 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 and the coast path on a wet windy day is, is the best place to be yeah yeah it can be really exhilarating and yeah it makes you feel really alive yeah, yeah. It, it it's funny because um i was thinking of i was thinking quite abstractly the other day and i thought you can see the size of people's biceps and chest muscles or quads or glutes, but you can't really see the size of people's mental strength. No. And, uh, and like, um, it's quite funny, you know, I'm not saying that, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that people mental strength, it's hard to measure, I guess. And that's why you can't see it, but it'd be funny anyway, if you, if you saw people walking out with different, size heads or something you know? <laughs> <laughs> like look at the size of that guy's mental strength or that woman's <laughs> mental strength <laughs> I, I, I don't know yeah. what i was uh smoking that day. I, I don't smoke so probably <laughs> oh, man. but i think uh, you've got yeah. a pretty uh you and lorraine have both got pretty big heads in terms of mental strength um because what you both achieved and it's not just you i have to give kudos to lorraine because like you said it wouldn't have happened um without lorraine and um i uh look forward to when i meet you guys um yeah well i i i think uh, we've been chatting a fair bit i'm gonna leave you guys to it but before i do go and, and stuff i didn't really kind of ask you about your jobs and what you do and i know you mentioned um i forget the fellow's name who came to support you with lorraine with his girlfriend um who and they've been to Dave and Paul. 
yeah, Dave and Ali. Yeah. So you mentioned Nepal. What is, um, how are you involved in Nepal or, it, uh, and what is that? So that's, that's Lorraine's idea. So okay. that was, this, so this stemmed from um, uh, several years ago now when they had the really bad earthquakes in Nepal. Yeah. And um, we, we made friends, we've been over there tracking and made friends with uh, Binay and, um, and his wife, Sammy. Um, in Nepal, and they and they took. He was kind enough to invite us to his wedding and take us back to his village. And not long after we come back from the village, the, the village was destroyed in the earthquake. Wow. And um, so Lorraine said, "Oh, we've got to do something. What can we do?" So she contacted Vinay, and Vinay said, well the, "Well, the main thing we want is tourists because no one wants to come to Nepal now because of the earthquakes." So, kind of very long story short, Lorraine, um, with Ben, I organised a marathon and a half marathon route over in the village that starts and finishes in the village. It's the Grand Master Buddhist Trail. The, 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 Grand, the Grand Buddhist Master actually, um, actually came through the village. And it's the wow. most stunningly beautiful part of Nepal. Um, so, she put this package together and she's been, I think, she's done now for four years. So, every, wow. four, every year she gets a group of about 20 people because the village won't sustain any more than 20 people mm. um and so so the sort of package includes the nighting a couple of nights in Kathmandu mm. experience the craziness of Kathmandu yeah and a couple of nights up in the village and actually live like the villagers live live in the village's house um and do so they're, they're again a bit like a bit like the coast path the run is incidental it's just a lovely part of it but it's not the part it's a lovely yeah. part of it yeah and then you've got to do the run or you can walk the half marathon route um, and then the, the village, village people—they're just the most beautiful, friendly, kind, generous people you'd ever want to meet in the world. And they—they just—they haven't got uh, anything sort of materially, but what they have got, they give to you. And yeah. and they, the whole village comes out um, so to meet you and greet you when you get into the village. When you finish the run, all the village are there, and they have a big party at the end. With, and they have. People from the neighbouring village um, playing traditional Nepalese music and have a Nepalese wow. party at the end, um, and so it's, it is just the most magical um, couple of two or three days up in the village, and then we have breakfast and they send us off, yeah. and, and so we trek up and down from the main road like like they used to have to do, um, um, and then then yeah, we go back then to Kathmandu and have a sort of another night or two there, and then people then can go off trekking because Benai also runs a sort of trekking company. He okay. set up his own little trekking company, well, and so he sort of takes groups off to do different treks around Nepal. So yeah, so obviously this year um, it happens in November. So this year there was a group going over, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, obviously due to the, the circumstances, um, the group aren't going over. I think I understand that one or two are go- from the group are going over themselves, okay. but yeah, it's been it's been uh, rearranged for next March. Oh, um, okay, yeah. So going over in March, but yeah, it's. Yeah, so it's all on Facebook. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you. So sorry, just did you say there's a marathon and a half marathon? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, and, then, and, and then and for walkers um, who people who are interested, but they don't say run, for example, they could still come, appreciate yeah. all the festivities, and meet the villagers and, and the craziness uh, craziness of Kathmandu, but yet still walk the half marathon if they want to. Yeah. Or yeah. not, or none at all. So we've had odd people. Um, come up and for whatever reason couldn't run or couldn't walk um, through wow. illness or injury but they just love the experience because like i said the nepalese just take you in and the villagers take you in and it's just 
it is difficult to describe if you've not been to Nepal. Been to Nepal, yeah. but it's, you can you can you got the Himalayas in your background, and you're up on uh, they call them hills, but they're mountains. There. So <laughs> the village is is yeah. like being at the top of Ben Nevis. Yeah. So that uh, the first part of the marathon route takes you up another equivalent of Ben Nevis. Um, so there is an altitude issue, but not enough to make you feel ill in any way. You don't have to be trained for altitude, but it's enough just so that you feel a, a bit short of breath. Yeah. Um, so you know that you're a higher, but it's but the scenery and the people and the little clusters of houses that you that you run through or walk through are just the most amazing places on earth, really. I think so. Yeah. So and you haven't got to walk very far to to do that. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, we have lots of people that just walk to have marathon route. No, I'd love um, for people who are listening to this and, and interested, mm. where, where could they go? Um, where, where's the best place to point people? See, what I'll also do is wherever you mention, I can put a link in the. It's called the show notes, where it literally oh, okay. just for the podcast. So people listening yeah. who hear, you, you, the, so, so where could they go? To if have they a Google the Paul Marathons. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and then if they look for and then it will be Nepal Mountains and Sacred Himalaya, and then yeah. that will take them through to the yeah the Great Buddhist Trail Marathon is the actual name of the Great, Great so, Buddhist Trail Marathon. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So they Google that or Google Nepal Marathons or Google Sacred Himalaya. Well, they, they, yeah, I mean, there's they they won't have to Google anything. All they got to do is look in the show notes and and just click Brilliant. on it. So I'll take that link off you. Um, you can send it to me and I'll share it so people can have a look. And um, yeah. uh, that sounds pretty cool. It's, yeah. it's and also like really important, sorry to interrupt, but importantly, um, the money that and Lorraine doesn't make any money out of it. She gives all her time for free. So any all the money goes to um, help um, the people in the village. So yeah. this year, the money was going towards um, getting water, running yeah. water for yeah. a lot of the villages. So it's, it's all about rebuilding the houses and rebuilding the infrastructure in the villages so yeah, oh, that's so where the money's going not like buying gold watches and you know like uh expensive diamond studded shoes no. and stuff no that sounds yeah. nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's I, I i'm only messing around and having yeah, a drink. Yeah. no that's that's lovely um to actually do something not for the purpose of gaining financially but mm -hmm. to do something for the benefit of other people besides yourself I think yeah. that's true. Um, and, and, and people who are going and experiencing someone who's organizing that, I'm sure it'll be a good time. Yeah. Oh, I'm sold. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> Brilliant. You know, I've yeah. never been to um, Nepal and it's, it's somewhere I will go one day, the Himalayas, yeah. um, because I'm drawn to mountains. But um, yeah, yeah same, really yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, it, it seems that everyone in their imaginations um, building up this, uh, you know, Lorraine seems to be this imaginary character, you know, it'd be great to um, uh, hear her on the show. But uh, anyway, we've had lots of her. She's like yeah. this mythical character who plans things and things come out successful. <laughs> well, um, no, it's great to chat to you, Mark. Um, and and it's been a fun on the show i think it, the the essence of a podcast is two people having a conversation about stuff they both enjoy talking about so yeah um well uh guys thanks for listening mark thanks for coming on to the show i'm gonna um I, I, i'll uh hopefully come and meet you and uh and, and meet you in person and 
that would be really nice yeah yeah no thanks christian and um yeah and good luck with your next adventure and i look forward to um seeing you very soon hopefully yeah right. but thanks for inviting me on i really appreciate it thank you no, you're welcome anytime as always guys thanks for tuning in and listening to the christian ultra podcast mark really inspired me because his journey was about friendship camaraderie with his wife lorraine and the amazing adventure those and the amazing record that those guys set as a team i really enjoyed that so please do go ahead and subscribe to the christian ultra podcast and if you feel like it if you can be bothered go and give me a rating that would be really cool anyone interested in checking about my run coaching services um go and check out my website it's www.christianultra.com and that's christian with a k everything is christian ultra as i say the name of this podcast is christian ultra so just go and check me out and in the meantime have a great week i'll be back next week with another awesome inspiring guest and in the meantime happy trails